Welcome to In the News for March the 25th, 2022. I am Brett Birdie from AppsAndLaw.com. It's Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD. Hey, Brett. Hi, Jeff. First off, please, let's get a quick check-in because we saw some headlines this past week, right? Was it Monday, Tuesday or so about some tornadoes in New Orleans? And I know you guys have to deal with hurricanes a lot, but tornadoes. Okay, everybody okay? Are you okay? Everybody's Family's good. Okay. okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. We don't deal with tornadoes very often in New Orleans. <laughs> so when like all four iPhones in my house, me, my wife, and my two kids all started beeping at the same time with that tornado warning. <laughs> Emergency like, alert. What right. in the world? Exactly. Like what in the world is this? But no, we got into like a safe room in the house that had no windows and all was okay. fine. I mean, okay. we were fine, but I'll tell you what, you look at the map and it really didn't come that far from where I live and the poor people who were affected. I mean, again, the, those of us and folks <sighs> in the know. Midwest and stuff like that, that deal with tornadoes all the time. They are scary, scary things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I just wanted to check in. Thanks for letting us know. And let's jump then right into your first story. How many G's do you really need? <laughs> I'm so glad you started off with this talking about 5G is what we're referring to here. Uh, and the fact that a lot of the more modern iPhones like the 12 and the 13 can connect to 5G. I mean, we can't get away from it, right? All of the big carriers have been talking 5G, 5G, 5G for, for a while now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I know there's a lot of confusion in it, including myself, Mr. Jeff. <laughs> so you reported on a great story here from a couple of actually the Wall Street Journal. I saw the one that you connect that you uh, linked to from Nicole Nguyen, I believe. But then there was another good one, which is a little bit older from one of our favorite reporters, Joanna Stern, which just kind of explains some of this. Or the main thing you were linking to today is the story from Nicole about how 5G, if you can find it <laughs> and your phone connects to it. Uh, you might want to watch the battery drain on your iPhone. Yeah. You know, 5G, as you say, Brett, the, the you know, Apple and, you know, Google and all of the cell phone companies say 5G, 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 because I, it's a marketing thing. You know, you upgrade right. to the latest new phone right. and they want to get people right. to buy new stuff and to sign new contracts and stuff. Um, for me, the jury is still out on 5G because although it has the potential yeah. to be great, and I frankly do believe it is going to be great, um, we are at the point where... I, for, for most folks right now, I don't think that 5G presents a big advantage. And what this Wall Street Journal article revealed was that the speeds that you can get with 5G, and, and let's talk about that. Let, let me table that for just five seconds here. Okay, but okay. The, the bottom line is that the speeds <laughs> you can get for most 5G is about the same as what you would get for 4G LTE. So if you're getting okay. the same speed, right. what is the advantage? And as she points out, there's actually sort of a disadvantage because you may get about an hour or even two hours, depending upon your phone, less battery life because 5G is more battery intensive. So you're not getting uh, an advantage. Okay and you're using more battery life, um, it, it makes you wonder, why do you use it? Um, and, and let me say this about 5G. 5G is confusing because it doesn't just mean yes. one thing, which is <laughs> annoying. And it's not even, it doesn't even mean one thing from carrier to carrier. There's, there's, I mean, there's three different types of 5G. You have the, the normal 5G, which is about the same speed as 
4G LTE, which means that you can okay. typically, if you've got a decent connection, you can see between 50 and 100 megabits per second, which are fantastic speeds for a mobile device or even for like an iPad or something. Um, right, so normal right. 5G yeah, is, is pretty fast. And then you've got at the high end, you have the millimeter wave, ver- millimeter wave version of 5G, which can be like, you know, one gigabit. Okay. Per se- you know, it's sort of like having gigabit uh, internet at your house. And that is super, 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 super fast. But most of the technology that uses it they have these radios that because of their such a high um, frequency, they, and again, I'm not an engineer or anything like that, but I know just a little, little about this. It, it can't be, it's gotta be really close to your phone. So like yes. you will have areas and cities where you will have a, the, the, the millimeter wave 5g and you've got to be like line of sight, very close. I mean, literally if it rains, that's enough to be interference for it. If you're inside, <laughs> even though if you're like 30 feet away from it, you may not get the signal. So it's really, really short wave. Um, and it requires, there's a whole lot of antennas for it to work. And then you've got this middle range, which is about mm-hmm. half the speed, still very fast. I mean, like 500 uh, you know, megabits per second. So you know, it could be five times faster than normal 5G. And that, that we're, that's sort of, we're just starting to see that. That's like the C-band. You and I were talking a few weeks ago about how right. it was stalled for a while because there was an issue about um, uh, not, being, not turning it on close to airports because it could interfere with the mm-hmm. radio uh, equipment mm-hmm. that planes use to communicate and find out how, how close they are to the ground, just in case the pilot can't see and has to rely on that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's all complicated stuff. You never know what you're going to get. But, but the real thing is, you know, I've heard people say that, oh, you know, where I live, I can actually get the super fast versions of 5G sometimes. And for, to that, I say, well, you are among the lucky because I have never right. seen 5G in New Orleans. This is my second iPhone that supports it. And I've never, right. never seen the super fast version of 5G in New Orleans. I know it's here somewhere, but I never see it. And, um, and I know in other areas, it's hard to get. And you don't even know because the indicators on your phone are very right. confusing as to what kind of exactly. 5G. And so, I mean, it's, it's worth talking about that for a second. If you yes, use, please. So, so let's go through the, the big carriers in the United States. AT&T, that's what I use. Okay. Um, right. They Thank have you. three different designations. They have something which is the cheating okay. designation, which is 5GE. And 5GE ain't 5G. That's actually 4G. <laughs> they started to use that with 4G saying, we're on the way to evolution towards 5G. <laughs> So we're, it's it's the evolution towards 5G, but oh, it's not 5G. Goodness. So if your phone right. says 5GE, that's actually 4G. How confusing can that be? Um, what your phone right. for, would say for AT, if you see five, if you just say 5G at the top of your iPhone, right. that's the the slower normal version of 5G. And I and I hate to say slower because it's still plenty fast. It's just about the same speeds that you saw with LTE. And then if you see 5G plus, that's either that that mid-range version like the C-band or the millimeter wave. That's the super, super fast stuff. If you see 5G plus, you know, go crazy. Download something really big. I mean, that's super fast. Um, Verizon, it'll it'll put 5G in your phone with the normal 5G, and it'll say 5G UW, or um, I think Android phones might say UWB, but iPhones would say UW, and that's ultra wave, ultra wideband, excuse me. But even that word ultra wideband can be confusing because those of us who are Apple nerds know that for the AirTags, the Find My stuff that Apple uses, they use that phrase ultra wideband to refer to the type of near communication that not only can you (laughs) see how far your AirTag is, but like what direction it is. So your phone will say, go left to find it or go right to find it. So, you know, that, 
that word okay. and then if you've got t-mobile they have what they call a 5g extended range which just says 5g in your phone that's the normal 5g and then they have 5g uc which is ultra capacity and that's that that mid-band range and ultra so you know different phones say different things it means they use different words it's confusing. It's a pain. Um, and when the Wall Street Journal recommends, you yeah. might just want to keep 4G on all the time. I got to tell you, it's not a bad recommendation for me personally. And then I'll be quiet and let you talk. But for me personally, I, uh, I keep, as I put in my post, I keep 5G on because I, I have really good battery life with my new iPhone. So right, I'm right. not, I'm not, you know, trying to get that last hour of power out. And I keep hoping that one of these days I'll look down at my phone and I'll see the 5G plus <laughs> just to experience it but I really haven't yet. So um, anyway, that, that's what, what can you say? 5g, but it's got promise, right? It's, it's, it's going to get good in the future. Yeah. In theory, yeah. it allows to have a larger group of people can be sharing bandwidth more efficiently. Right, so there right. really is promise. It's just uh, slow going to get there. Well, I guess the, the, the only single flicker of encouragement I have is we've, we've been through this before. In fact, I've, I've long had a, uh, a distrust of whatever little symbol is up in the corner of my phone because we did this. I remember going through this with 3G. I remember like 4G. Then we had LTE. I mean, there's just so many s- symbols. And 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 unfortunately, while it sounds kind of more like scientific and logical about what you see there is should be what you get, it becomes more of a marketing thing than anything else. So I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers at the carriers because I understand marketing is a huge part of what they're doing, but it's just what you said. Like, in fact, even Apple's own support page that I've pulled up here indicates that even if you see 5G, which you've already pointed out may not even really be 5G, but if you see 5G, that doesn't mean you're connected to 5G necessarily. It means that there is a 5G network available that the phone could connect to because apparently the phones actually determine some in some cases whether or not they that. go to. Huh. Yeah, it's like it doesn't mean actually it's connected. It says there is a 5G network available. Now, again, I don't know any more than that because like you, I'm like you, you know, I'm not an engineer either, but it's just it's so frustrating. There are areas here in the Cleveland, Ohio area where I am that it says 5G, but then if I drive even closer to downtown, I can't even remember now what it is. I just know that it does change. I'm a little bit out in the country a little bit, so we, I see LTE most of the time. But if I go closer into a metropolitan area around Cleveland where I am, then it will change to 5G. And I think I have seen 5G plus uh, before, but um, you know, it, 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 it's just so varied in how it goes. You also linked to another story here, by the way, from uh, John Gruber which I thought was was uh, was great that, uh, let's see, you had it in here uh, somewhere, I thought. It was right in the very top, yeah. The very, very top. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he was basically suggesting kind of the same thing, right? That uh, if uh, you uh, don't want to, de- uh, you know, see the battery drain necessarily 5G, because this is something that the phone is having to do. Not only is it looking for different uh, networks, but it's going to have to decide if it does connect to it. And that takes a little bit more uh, to connect to a 5G. Uh, John Gruber here just says, you know, just turn it off. Like if it's not going to be that much of a difference in the speed, which is exactly what you were saying earlier, you can just go turn it off. And by the way, I didn't even know you had some of these settings here on <laughs> Apple support page here. You can go into your settings. You can yes. go into the cellular, right? And you have a choice on how you determine your phone will connect to the voice plan, whether 5G or not. 
uh, which is what you were, I think you were referring to. And then there's the data mode, right? Which is kind of what we're talking about with a lot of these higher, you know, faster speeds, because these stories from Nicole and, and from Joanna too, we're talking about how fast that they can, you know, download a very large video file or something along those lines or a game or something like that to their phone or their, even their iPad. Yeah. To a certain degree, it's even academic nowadays, because I remember the days when the speed makes a huge difference, right? I mean, when I, my very first iPhone yeah. back in 2008 used Edge, which was painfully slow. Yes, you know, I you wanted to load that. something, even just a normal web page, you know, just medium complication, like the New York <laughs> Times or something, it would be so right. slow. And then when very 3G slow. came out, it got to be a little bit faster. But by the time 4G and then 4G LTE that's when you started to get to the point where, you know what, it's just fast enough. And so that, that's how it is right. now. So, I mean, most of the time, whether I am seeing normal 5G, you know, or just, you know, slow, whatever it is, it's basically going to be fine. It's rare that I'm downloading things on my mobile devices that it makes that big of a difference. Yeah, um, exactly. If I have my computer tethered to my phone then and I'm downloading big files, yeah, I notice a tiny bit more. But, um, you know, we have the luxury of living in an age where all of these speeds are great. Um, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I'd love to be able to use, you know, 5G plus or 5G right. ultra wideband or 5G, you know, whatever, one of the, the fastest versions, you know, sure. Why not? That's great. Faster, better, good. But, um, right. but you know, it can be confusing. Well, one of the other things that Nicole mentioned here in this Wall Street Journal article is referring to Joanna Stern's earlier article mm -hmm. where she was, I, I think she, she was driving around in like a, a, a little uh, camper, right? And was look, going around town. Now, Joanna is in New Jersey, and you talk about this just a little bit, whereas Nicole, the author of uh, the reporter from, from this first article, she's in San Francisco. Well, since Joanna was in New Jersey, I thought Joanna Stern was in New York City. Uh, I thought she was in New York City, but regardless, it doesn't matter. Go yeah, ahead. well, I mean, she went to New Jersey, apparently, because oh, this for is the article. she knew right. gotcha. that some of the towers were there. And so Nicole even mentions that Joanna did get an incredibly sounding 1300 megabits per second down. That's but fast. She was right underneath the tower <laughs> in New <laughs> Jersey. Is that? Yeah. So she was like, she was, I, I think she was parked right underneath the tower because there's a whole other whole level thing going on here, which you just a little referred to there a little bit, uh, Jeff, with, you know, the 5G, it's, it's basically piggybacking on some of the other networks that we have. And it could cause some interference with some other very important networks, like what you talked about with the pilots and stuff. And so the way that this works, it's not, you know, I can't creep in or go through walls or other solid objects quite as easily. I mean, again, I, this is a very uh, simply simplified layman's understanding that I'm trying to get it across here. But it was just the fact I thought I thought that that was interesting. If you can get the 5G plus and you're very close, apparently, you know, hugging a cell phone tower, then you can get an amazing download speed. I mean, 1300 megabits. You know, I, I usually get 200 back in my home. I yeah. mean, that's incredible. You could get that kind of speed not connected to Wi-Fi or something like that. Right. But again, right. you have to be, you know, there's a lot of factors that would go into that. That's some, uh, that's very, very interesting. Anything else that we want to say? I, I think I liked one little uh, quote here from uh, John Gruber at uh, Daring Fireball. He says, those... Crazy fast, ultra wideband download speeds are like owning a car that can go 200 miles an hour. <laughs> so when are you going to go 200 miles an you hour? Can say right? you I mean, can have it, yeah. but how much you can yeah. actually use it? Right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> okay, good stuff on there. I don't know if it really helped anybody. 
<laughs> with understanding of 5G. But again, to go back to my, I think my first comment that I made, Jeff, is like the encouragement, the flicker of encouragement is these are just sort of, you know, the, the journey that we have to get on. It is coming. There are people that are using this. And sometimes we just have to be a little patient because I, I mean, we are kind of oversimplifying it. I know it's a very, it's a lot, a lot of work to make sure that we get more cell phone towers. And by the way, I think that uh, somebody even mentioned this too, as well. You know, there's a whole camp there that isn't happy about additional cell towers and additional, you know, waves uh -huh. of millimeter, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it is, it is the world in which we live in today. From 5G cellular networks, let's go to the Wi-Fi aspect. You had a couple of great links here where you were talking about <laughs> yet another confusing hodgepodge of numbers and letters as well. We all know Wi-Fi. And in the old days, this is kind of, kind of a, a link to the story that you had. We would say numbers like 802.11a or, or letters. B, yeah, or A or B or N yeah. or there was all these letters or AC. Well, apparently, or, yeah. yeah, now they're going to, eight, to two letters, right? AC. But <laughs> apparently the, the uh, people in charge of this have decided that was a little too confusing. And now they're just going to call it Wi-Fi 6. And so you had a great story here from Jason Cross and Macworld, what Wi-Fi 6E means for the future of the iPhone. Pretty interesting stuff here as well. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, to, to keep it simple, you know, Wi-Fi 5 is Please. one that most of us have. Wi-Fi 6 is the next generation. Most people don't have Wi-Fi 6 yet. Uh, Wi-Fi 6E is an even faster version of it. Um, I don't believe Apple's selling any devices that support it, but it, it's presumably coming in the future. Um, but you, but uh, I think they do support Wi-Fi 6. I mean, to put it in practical terms, some folks have gigabit internet at their house. Right. That's like the highest right. level that you can get from some cable providers and some, um, you know, Google, if, if you have fiber, that sort of stuff. That's what I have in my house, my house is the gigabit. Right. So that's, right. that's the fastest theoretically you can get. And I noticed that on my computer, which is actually, you know, hardwired through the ethernet cable to my modem, I can actually get pretty close to that. I, I can get 950. I mean, it, which is wow. incredibly fast for my computer. Yeah. If I am syncing things to Dropbox or downloading huge video files, I mean, it's that's nice great. to have all of that speed. Um, but I don't have all of that speed in my house. The the you know I use an Eero in my house, and the version that I have is the Wi-Fi five, and I think it caps out at five hundred um, okay. five hundred megabits per second. So basically, a half of what my full gigabit would be. Um, okay. And so this new okay. six and now six C, which just came out, I believe yesterday, the Euro version of six C, um, it can actually, in theory, go all the way up to the full gigabit per second. But to get to your Whoa. statement okay. before about having the 200 mile per hour car that you can't drive much more than 60. So what's the point of it? You know, I sort of feel the same way because um, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing at home 500 megabits per second is more than fast enough. Now, the reality right, is right. you want to have as fast as possible because we all know that the farther that you get from the Wi-Fi routers in your house, the speed is going to go down, you know? And so if you want to, if you start with the higher speed to begin with, in theory, that means even if you cut half or a quarter of the capacity, you're still really, really fast. Right. Um, you right. know, but in our home, unlike the cell phone things we were talking about before, in your own, in your home, you do have reasons that it's really nice to have the fastest Wi-Fi for, oh, yeah. you know, for video conferences and for files and for the fact that you've got multiple people using computers streaming. in your house and, and right. streaming videos on, you know, your Apple TV or, or whatever device right. you use connected right. to your television. So it does make a difference. Um, and you know, and even then, you know, re recommendation I'll have for your home is that Wi-Fi is great, but keep in mind that anytime that you can do a wired connection in your home, that's going to mm -hmm. always be more dependable because yes. even though Wi-Fi can have really good top speeds, it drops out from time to time. We've all seen that before. Whereas an Ethernet 
connection can be more dependable. So at my house, for example, I have three Eros in my house, which spread the Wi-Fi mesh throughout my house and my backyard. It's fantastic. But two of them I have got connected to each other with an Ethernet cable. um, And the one that is in my uh, the room that my TV is in, I have a wired connection to my Apple TV. So I've got the fastest possible connection to my Apple TV for like, you know, streaming movies and stuff. And I don't have to worry about the Wi-Fi dropping. I mean, it's going to always have that that fastest connection. But then my third Eero, which is in another part of my house, it just has a um, um, you know, radio connection to the other ones and it just provides right. Wi-Fi. So, um, so it's a lot to think about, you know, the bottom, as, as I said, at the end of my post on this, the bottom line here is you don't need this if you've currently got good Wi-Fi in your house, but if you are about to right. buy a new router for your house, whether it's an Eero or some other brand, you know, it's always good, you know, routers you tend to hold on to for a long time. I mean, I've had, when Apple used to sell routers, I used to hold on to them yeah. for, you know, five, yes. 10 years, long time, Me you too. know, so you might as well get one with the new standard because that way, if it really makes a big difference four or five, six years from now, you know, you you still got something that's got some staying power. So it's, it's like the router could be future-proofed. In other words, you can buy ahead, but I, I, again, I, I, from a practical standpoint, I know that you are sometimes offered from the, your internet company, whether it's your cable company or not, you can buy a router that supports the gigabit, but your devices may not connect at that level, exactly. which is okay yeah. because mm-hmm. it, you know the device will connect at its at it at its uh, whatever the maximum that it can connect at. But it's mm-hmm. almost like you have it there; you just may not be able to use it. So just be a- a- aware of that. In other words, I think the iPhone 13 can connect to Wi-Fi six, if I'm correct, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if any Macs can connect to Wi-Fi six. Um, and I get, I don't know, do they have and the I don't think any, TVs? And, yeah, and this newest 6E, I don't think anything can connect to it yet, but presumably that'll be coming right. maybe maybe later on this year. So Yeah, um, in fact, in Jason Cross right here in this an article, he says, higher-end Macs and iPads released maybe in 2023 mm-hmm. <laughs> stand a very good chance of supporting it. So anyway, just, just as an FYI, you know, again, I feel like this is more of a marketing thing a lot of times and like, hey, we've got this uh, new technology that can be used and it's great. No, no, no problems in upgrading your router to support it, but just be aware that, you know, if you're connecting with an iPhone and maybe trying to do a speed test or something that you just may not see the fact that you are going to get that speed and just know that sometimes it's because the hardware uh, can't support it. Yeah, I will say this though for Wi-Fi routers in your house. If you're looking to get a new Wi-Fi router, um, you know, definitely go with Mesh. Mesh makes a huge difference. I like you the Eero have, yeah. because Eero has Mesh, but there are other companies that have Mesh routers too, and um, they they work really really well. It, it, that yeah. was such a that that upgrade. Put aside the speed upgrades, the upgrade to a Mesh version of Wi-Fi made such a huge difference in my house. Yeah. I wish I had done it, soon, done it sooner. Yeah, you've talked about this quite quite often, mm-hmm. and uh, anyway, I'll link to your review of the Eero. You've updated it i think since yeah that was like two years uh, when ago they, yeah. when they came when they came out okay very very good last week we talked about something that both of us found so very 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 cool <laughs> and that is universal control kind of a kind of a a, a plain vanilla sounding uh name for it right i feel like <laughs> apple should have come up with something maybe a little more splashy for this because what it is is that if you have a mac computer this is one of the simple ways to use it. You can have a Mac, you can set your iPad next to it and move your trackpad, Can keyboard can control both your Mac and your iPad. Now, this article that you linked to uh, from Josh Sinners, I thought was great, especially at the bottom here where he talks about some of the gotchas or some of the things, you know, to be looking out for. This is still, this, this just came out uh, in 15.4. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be upgraded to that. Everything has to be connected to uh, iCloud. 
and they have to be sitting next to each other. There's a few gotchas here. Probably the biggest gotcha is the fact that it is still, quote, in beta, right? Apple says it's in beta, so if there's any problems, it's not like, you know, Apple Apple may decide whether they're going to fix that or or not. But this was a great article from Josh Sinners, and it sounds like just from your post today, Jeff, that you've been using universal control even a little bit more yourself now. Yeah. You know, when we talked about it last week in the, in the No segment, I was talking about using universal control as you just described it, so that your keyboard and your right. mouse can control your computer um, peripherals, can control your iPad, which is really nice. Right. But one thing I didn't talk about, which this article talks about, and another one that I know that you're going to get to, is that universal control also makes it so that you can easily just transfer files back and forth. And so, I mean, yeah. it is so easy that if you have, if you're on your Mac and you've got like yeah. a picture or a couple pictures or a PDF file or a number of PDF files and you select them and you, you know, you hold down, like you're going to drag them, but instead of just dragging them to another folder on your Mac, you drag them off the screen of your Mac and onto the screen of your iPad. Um, as yes. long as you let go on a place in your iPad that can accept things, you can't just put it on your iPad's home screen because iPads can't have files dropped in their home screen. But as long right. as you're in like right. an app, um, like for example, what you're showing right here from Lit Software, this is something that yes. lawyers use called TrialPad, where if you have the TrialPad app open, you can, the part of it, the app that has the list of all of your documents, you can just drag things from your Mac to your iPad. And that is so simple because in the old yeah. days, you would have Great. to, you know, am I going to stick, put, put it in a USB key and plug it in? Am I going to put it on Dropbox and then in a connected Dropbox over here? You know, you'd have to sort of go through a middleman to do it. But now yes, if you've got one course. next to the other, you just drag it over. God, and I'm so, I mean, I just showed on the screen right here. I'm so jealous of this. this I, I use a PC yeah. in my office every day. Boy, I wish, Brett, that I could just drag <laughs> things from my Dell screen right over to right. my iPad. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day, you know, just watching this and I'm so this is a company called Lit Software. They make some uh, fantastic iPad apps that both of us are, are very, very keen on, uh, including a trial presentation app and then also an app for transcript management as well. But just watching this and how they're literally dragging files from a Mac and just seamlessly over to an iPad. It's kind of some of the things you talked about, Jeff. I remember in the old days, first of all. I don't even know if there was a way to get in the very, very early days to get files onto the iPad. Then we had something like Dropbox and we could maybe download files, you know, in a Dropbox app. And then we had the capability that some apps, if you remember this way back in the day, they like Goodreader, I think did this. You could go in Goodreader and say, connect Wi-Fi via Wi-Fi to my computer, right? Mm -hmm. And on your computer, you would have to go to like a, an IP address. Yeah, it was, a bit of, it was a bit of a hack. It but was it weird. Work. It was. Yeah. It was a little bit of hackery, but it did work. Exactly. I used that several times, especially for folks that they, you know, they couldn't connect to the cloud for whatever reason, or they didn't want to store files in the cloud. This was a good way to copy files back and forth. And then I remember when the Files app came out, on the iPad. And one of the big things for me that still is unbelievable, the fact that you can connect a USB thumb drive or an external USB hard drive to the iPad. That still blows me away that I can access files that way. A lot of uh, pro professional photographers have been doing this for a long time, right? Connecting their camera to an iPad and shuttling pictures back and forth. But now to see something like this, that we can just so seamlessly drag and drop files from one uh, uh, 
it really is one ecosystem, right? The iPad system ecosystem and the Mac ecosystem, and you can drag files back and forth. It's it's really incredible uh, on this, yeah. and I'm so and glad it's just so natural. It's like you know, well, of course, these if somebody knew nothing about exactly. computers, they'd be like, well, the two computer, the, the two screens <laughs> are next to each other. Like of course, you can just drag one thing from the where behind the scenes, it's so sophisticated the technology that they're doing. So um, it's it's just just really it's really 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 neat. I had I mean as I, yeah. as I mentioned today, I had like a um, my good notes was on my iPad with some notes that I was taking and I would just want to put a little picture in there and and I could have gone to the photos app on my iPad and, and manipulate it that way but I had the picture just right there on my desktop on my computer and I just I just put it over just plopped it right there and it was just there in the middle of the notes I'm like that's wow. all I kept waiting for someone to say and now you got to do step two and step three but but I was done I was like oh my yeah. goodness this is just so yeah. fast and easy I'm very excited to know where this is going to go and to follow this. You know, we, we were teased about this, what, about a year ago almost, and we, we didn't come out. It, like Apple kind of continued to polish it up, and I'm just so thrilled uh, that it did. Uh, this little section, I'll, I'll link to the story that you link to here from uh, Josh Sinders. He, he calls this section at the bottom, universal control quirks. <laughs> so it's it's very good you know sometimes you can lose the pointer or, or you know if you're doing a keyboard and if the if the focus isn't on an app on the ipad and it's rather on your mac and you know sometimes it can get a little confusing but to me these are just tiny little wrinkles that i think are going to get smoothed out as more and more of us uh continue to use i mentioned one that i just i think i think that's what he's referring to in your screen that i've noticed so yes. let's say like i am i move my cursor from my mac to my ipad and right. I'm using it on my iPad. I'm clicking on things and stuff like that. If mm -hmm. I move my cursor back over to the Mac, you may think because I'm seeing the cursor on the right. Mac screen, now my, my keyboard's controlling the Mac. But you actually have to click on the screen. Right. And you know yes. that you're not in that mode yes. because if your cursor is over there, but you haven't yet officially taken over control of the computer again, the bar at the very top of your Mac will be grayed out. And that's the right. visual clue that, no, 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 you're still sort of controlling that iPad over there. So as soon as you right. click on right. a window or the screen or click anywhere, then it'll return control. But that's one that when I first started using it for a second, I was a little confused. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm typing. And why am right. I still over there right. on the iPad? Because my <laughs> cursor's over here. Well, you got to tell it what you're doing. And I actually think, this makes sense. It just, once you figure out, then, then you understand, yeah. oh, okay, you need to sort of affirmatively tell the devices which one you, you wanted to use. And that's right, fine. Right. Just keep that in mind. Take a look It'll at your come. menu I mean, bar if you're confused. We're literally controlling two different computing systems <laughs> from one place. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, to me, it's just a matter of kind of getting my mind wrapped around it a little bit, yeah. but uh, it, it, it will happen. It, it, will, it will definitely happen. Here's another good article that you link to. We've talked about this several times in, in several different ways, which is the Apple Wallet. And I think this was announced, Apple announced something about this, that the Apple Wallet can, can be used. I know this was a big thing with having our vaccination cards available within the Wallet app. And uh, several other things, you've talked about an app there in Louisiana called LA Wallet for Louisiana, not Los Angeles, but you can put in several, you know, other cards and stuff. We know the wallet can work for credit cards, but finally, Arizona has announced that you can actually put in your driver's license into your wallet. This, this is pretty cool. And I'm even happier. Apparently Ohio is one of the next states that they're going to do this. Oh, I saw that they we, announced some of the other states too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, you know, at first, and I can imagine most people may be listening to this because this is where my mind was at first. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's something I want to do. Like, what's that going to help with? But I love it because, number one, you could lose the physical driver's license. 
And if you have at least a version in the Apple wallet, that's great. And then number two, I just traveled the last couple of weeks. And sure enough, I had to get out my identity card, my ID card, my driver's license, and had to show it to the TSA. And that's one of the things that I know in this press release from Apple that they were talking about um, is, is really a, a nice feature that you don't have to do that anymore. Just scan. And like, I even have my boarding passes. I did that a long time ago on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. Now I can also have my driver's license on my iPhone and it's all, it's already confirmed and everything, which is great. Yeah. Or I've had times where I just jump in my car to go to, to the store around the corner to get something. And I don't, you know, my wallet's upstairs. I don't even need my wallet. I just, I just take my iPhone, which is probably already in my pocket. Just jump in the car. If I need my driver's license, you know, for some reason get pulled over or something, I've got it. Um, I get to the store, I can pay with Apple pay. And uh, so I just don't have to, worry. it's just a nice convenience. And it sounds like it, there's there's like clear instructions on how to do this. I, I, in fact, they even have a little video here. It looks like that they're that they're showing that you just scan it. Uh, you it has to connect with some kind of a service at the state, right? So in other words, it has they have to verify you've added it within there, and then that's pretty much it. It's mm -hmm. uh, pretty easy. You're actually scanning the front, taking a picture of it, and taking a picture of the back. Anyway, we're we're gonna hear more about this because I I'm confident that Arizona is just one of the first of many states that will probably uh, start adopting this because it just it just makes sense. I'm really enjoying this, Apple Wallet this, more and more. Yeah, and it's this trend between having more and more. I mean, I want to be able to unlock my front door with my iPhone and have my yes. ID in there and have my car key fob <laughs> in there, and that way you just it's have coming. one device. You know, I just want to replace all that stuff. It's great. That's fantastic. Another story we've talked about the smart home and we'll keep talking about it because I think both of us know this is probably where a lot of interesting technology is going to be happening over the last few years. I remember specifically, I think we talked about this early on when CES came around, Jeff, maybe I could be mistaken, but these are, these are smart blinds, like window blinds for your house. But I really like this. I think Bradley may have, may have uh, chambers here from nine to five Mac. He may have talked about this before, but now he's got, he has his hands on some and he, he had a little video which i just thought was so neat here where he asked <laughs> siri or sorry she who should not be named to actually op open or close the blinds and it was very quick on the way this happens yeah. i don't know if this you maybe you can tell me does it work just with an iphone or do you have to have a home um uh, a, a home kit uh, setup and maybe a, a mini uh pod as well or or how does, well, so it's how does on this work? A home kit, it'll work with anything it'll work with your iphone okay. your apple okay. watch okay. or whatever and um and they may also come with the little controllers you know, uh, I, I know that some other companies come that way. I, I've been looking at getting some smart blinds in our home because we are we're changing around <laughs> nice. our living room and about to put in some blinds. And uh, Lutron has some. This is from Eve. Lutron has okay. had some smart blinds for a while. They're really nice um, and they're super expensive. And it's yeah. hard to justify the cost because, uh, and I know they're custom to the size of your window and all that sort of stuff. It's like so much more expensive to get this version of it. But right? it would be so cool to be able to have them automatically go up and down at different points of the day, depending upon where the sun is. Or you could, yeah. you know, just use press one button and have all the different windows go up and down. So it's neat stuff. Um, I don't That's know if we'll cool. end up getting it for our house, but um, but I love to see more and more of this smart home stuff. And, yeah, and these okay. smart blinds is one of the relatively newer types of smart home technology. 
at first, again, something like this, I'm like, well, okay, is this really that important? But I, I just thought about it. I went and had breakfast with a friend uh, yesterday morning, and sure enough, the the restaurant, somebody had to, <laughs> one of the waitresses had to climb up on a chair and like open, you know, close the blinds in the sun, mm-hmm. and then a little bit later, she they they climbed up again and opened them up. And, and now that I'm thinking about this, that would really be useful just to be able to ha- you know speak into your phone and have the blinds open and close. I like it. Let's end our new segment with a feel-good story. This is so great. I'm glad you linked to this, Jeff. This is a a, a, a fairly elderly lady, apparently. I, I, I love her name. It's Raylene, which mm-hmm. I thought was maybe a Dolly Parton song, but I think that's Jolene. <laughs> Jolene. But uh, this is a, a, a lady that's a little bit elderly, but her son had bought her an Apple Watch, and she had an Apple Watch uh, on – when she unfortunately took a very quote hard fall and this is we we use that phrase because i think apple distinguishes that right as opposed to like you know well i just kind of you know tripped a little bit but a hard Mm -hmm. fall is in like somebody is really down they are not getting up they're not moving the heart rate may be going down you know there's several factors that the apple watch will look at here it called 911 and not only were they able to come and find this uh, uh miss raylene here unconscious and be able to, to revive her, but they took her to the hospital and, and through some other tests discovered that she had some lung cancer that hopefully is going to be treatable. And so she's attributing that uh, to the fact that she had the Apple Watch on and the son is very happy as well. Yeah, it's a nice story. And, you know, they have a video right. along with it. They interview all the people involved. The, yeah. the son explained <laughs> that he's on the list, too, because, you know, when you, if you fall, you can have it set up so that your watch oh, will not right. just right. call 911, but call your loved ones. And he said that he actually got a call, but he happened to be in the shower at the time, so he didn't notice it. So he's like, right. thank goodness, it also called 911 to get the paramedics out there. So, um, yeah, I love these stories. It's great when people, yeah. you know, have, or, you know, can use the Apple Watch as it was intended to save them. And what, you know, she says it saved her life. Who knows? Maybe it did save her life. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Even they, they even just have a short quip there from the emergency medical professional. I saw that. Yeah. He he said specifically, it, ga- it gives the longitude and latitude. Like they knew exactly where to go. Like it wasn't just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a general area in which to park. And, you know, I, I just thought that that was a good on this. Uh, yeah. And you hear people the, talk the about that, is, that if you're yeah. on, a, on, a, on a bicycle, yeah. like you're out, you know, off road somewhere right. and you know, you know, place that's not close to civilization and you just sort of fall over. It's nice to have the longitude and latitude sent out to people. That's great. Yeah. Keep those stories coming. I I like it. (laughs) In the know, speaking of Apple Watch, there is something that I discovered this past week that I was not aware of. Both you and I are very big fans of 1Password, which is our password manager of choice. You don't have to use 1Password but you should be using a password manager. That's the right. uh, PSA for today. But so I use one password everywhere. I have a Windows computer, Mac, two Mac computers, my iPhone, my iPad. It's everywhere because it holds such important information. Now, what was great when the Mac first had a touch ID on the Mac, I had that. And it was great because every time that I wanted to use one password, I had to remember my one very strong password in order to unlock the one password software so that it could plug in these very secure passwords to you know a website that i was logging into or something else but the touch id now available on the mac was something that i was using i could just use my finger very similar to the way that i've been using one password and unlocking one password on my iPhone or even my iPad. But I just found I was looking around for something in one password and I it said you can use your Apple Watch to unlock one password as well. Now, 
I love having the Apple Watch on when I use my Mac because if the Mac is asleep and I, you know, go go and get a cup of coffee and come back and my and the screensaver came on and the Mac is locked, it will see my Apple Watch and unlock my Mac for me because I have my Apple Watch on. And I know it works very similar to this that way on the iPhone as well. So when I saw that I could choose to unlock one password with my Apple Watch, I thought, oh, well, this is really cool. I like this. Uh, because I've been using Touch ID. I will say it is great. I, I connected it up. I, I, I love how it's connected there, but um, it's almost like a, 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 a negating of the, my little tip here because while it's really cool to have that option, I noticed that when one password comes on my Mac, <laughs> I, I have to look at my watch and it requires me to like double click my Apple Watch, Jeff, in order to unlock one password on my Mac. Now, I okay. think that's great because it allows me to give like another way with the Apple Watch and, you know, the Apple Watch doesn't immediately unlock one password. But I found that that lifting up my Apple Watch, double clicking the Apple Watch was a little even more involved than just using the Touch ID on my um, on my Mac. Now, I don't know if this would work on maybe some Macs that don't have Touch ID. So maybe this would be, you know, a good alternate way uh, on this. But anyway, just that's that's my tip. Uh, I guess even foremost is get a password manager. One password is fantastic. Jeff and I are always happy to talk about that. But once you get it on, take advantage of all the neat things that one password is doing, in, including like it'll use face ID now to unlock it on a, on a phone or an iPad. You can use touch ID to unlock it on your Mac. And now you can even use the Apple watch. Like there's different ways to do it so that you don't have to sit there and laboriously type in your one single, very secure password for unlocking one password. So that's my tip for the day. I wish I knew you were going to share this tip today because I would have tried it out last night on my Mac. Um, <laughs> I knew that this, I, have, I remember reading that this was coming, but I don't have this enabled yet. I use an iMac at home. And yeah. um, unlike you, oh, Brett, yeah, you, you have Touch ID, but I don't have Touch ID on my iMac. No. So every single time I open up okay. one password, I have to type in my long password. And so it would be so convenient for me to use my Apple Watch, um, even if I do have to tap it twice, right. four times, report 15 back. times. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I need to report back and see if this works. Cause if this now works, I'm going to use this all the time. So thank you. For oh, that's fantastic. Great stuff. And, and by the way, I'll link to this page here that I'm showing here because some people would say, well, I don't know if that's really all that secure. Well, again, Jeff and I have put one password through all of its paces and we can tell you and assure you. And in fact, this explains how it is. It has a secure enclave where it keeps your fingerprint and even the connection with your Apple watch. So no worries on that. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, my tip today was for folks who use Twitter, I suspect that most people use, I mean, I know from statistics that most people just use the Twitter app on the iPhone, and that's fine. Uh -huh. um, but I have for so long been a fan of uh, oh, this app yeah. Tweetbot, which it's yes. it's only six bucks a year. It's super cheap, so 50 cents a month. And I prefer it to the built-in, to the native Twitter app for a million reasons. It yes. is a very clean interface. You don't have any of the ads that you have in Twitter. You don't have any of the, you know, when you're on Twitter, they want to do sort of what Facebook does of algorithm. They use an algorithm to show yep. you tweets as opposed. I just want to see, you know, the, the most recent to the oldest. I just want to see them in chronological order, which is what Tweetbot allows me to do. And it doesn't try to change that. There are a few Twitter features that don't work for third-party clients like Tweetbot. Yeah. Like for example, right. for a while, if somebody posted a poll, you couldn't see it. They actually updated it recently. So now you can see the poll, oh, but good. in okay. Tweetbot, if you actually want to vote in the poll or view the results, you, you, you tap 
and it will open up the Twitter app so that you actually yeah. do that over there. That's so on there's the a Twitter few, side, right? Yeah, it's not so tweet bots. Oh, that's not that's tweet bots fault. The problem yeah, is yeah, that yeah. Twitter won't give the full access to yes, third party exactly. apps. Um, but um, you know, there and there's there's been a long tradition of fantastic third party apps. The first one I used to use, and it's still around too, is Twitterific. In fact, I still pay for Twitterific yeah. because one of these <laughs> days, if I like it better, I might want to be used back for it. And it's also super cheap. But um, between bots, the one that I've been using for a number of years. If you don't use Twitter, well, good for you because you probably have a lot more free time in your day. <laughs> but if you do use Twitter, like I do, and that's really my primary source of news. I mean, I, I you know, that's I. I Follow, you know, new sources that I trust, uh, people that I enjoy, uh, that I'm friends with, uh, technology yeah. sources. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I put in my Friday oh, yeah. in the news post is something I saw on Twitter during the week. So I, I look at Twitter a lot all the time, and um, and I just cannot recommend Tweetbot more highly. It's great. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I've been meaning to go back and do this. I, I'll tell you, first of all, you can use Tweetbot for free. In fact, they can allow you to download it for free on your phone. Mm -hmm. And I actually have the, I have both the Twitter app, the native Twitter app, and then I have Tweetbot. And I've just been using the free version, but I want to upgrade because what I'll do is I'll go into Twitter and kind of see, but the way Twitter is similar to what you were just saying, it, it, it doesn't show the tweets in a chronological order. I think there may be a setting that you can show, but Tweetbot does, and it does it very well without you know plugging in all of the little ads and sponsored stuff in there. Like, and sometimes I just want that clean interface, exactly what you were talking about, Jeff. This is, yeah. a, this is a great, I, I, I love, by the way, the company is Tapbots, and they make several great. I like even their calculator that they make. They make mm -hmm. several great apps. It's a it's a wonderful little small uh, developer company. But yeah, Tweetbot, what a fantastic uh, tip. That's great. Yeah, in fact, thanks for mentioning that there's a free version. I've used the paid version for so long that I forget about it. I think one yeah. of the features of the paid version is that I have multiple Twitter accounts because like, I have my, my normal yes, one, which is just Jeff right. Richardson. But then yep. I also have one for iPhone JD. I've got one for this podcast. And I, what, I think one of the things is that you can access more than one account yes um whereas the free version i think is one account and there may be some other advantages too um but uh yeah. pay the pay the guy six bucks just to, <laughs> just I, exactly. to, to like encourage them to continue to develop this thing it's so great, uh, it's great a great app, app. Yeah. yeah fantastic thanks jeff that was great glad to know that everybody is safe there in new orleans continue to stay that way and stay safe thanks for joining me today and we'll talk to you next week thanks brett bye-bye everybody